right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. John and Chuck will be back for a full episode later in the week. I think it'll be coming out on Thursday morning. We've been on Friday mornings for a few weeks, bouncing back and forth between Thursdays and Fridays this year. But I think we're going to be on Thursday, so look for that in your podcast feed. However, you are getting those. Reminder, in the month of March, we are continuing the thing we started in February, where if you write a five-star iTunes review, we will read it on air, no matter what it is, as long as it is not horribly Offensive. We've been having fun doing that. We got more reviews coming next show, but we can still take more. Obviously, those reviews help us, and you can get a shout-out for yourselves. All right, today's show is about the Miami Heat. It's not about the Memphis Grizzlies rolling out one of the most ridiculous starting lineups imaginable against the Brooklyn Nets and then going on to lose with their wild lineups. There will be more on that on the regular episode with John and Chuck. No, today's episode is about the Miami Heat, a team that is kind of super fun despite having Hassan Whiteside. So we will get to that shortly. Uh, We have an announcement for any Grizzlies fans or NBA fans in the Nashville area who are listening to this. We are organizing a bus trip. The Memphis Grizzlies are having a bus trip on March 18th to the Spurs game. So if you have any interest in taking a bus with fellow Grizzlies fans to the Spurs game. There is a ticket package you can go to on Twitter at Grizz Nashville, G-R-I-Z-Z Nashville, at Grizz Nashville, and there are details on there. You have a couple more days to buy tickets, and you get a free or an included exclusive Grizzlies 615 shirt. So any Nashville listeners, go ahead and get on that. My guests today, that's right, guests, plural, on a three-way Skype phone call are the hosts of Locked on Heat, and they are writers for, I guess, various internet locations covering the Miami Heat and other NBA basketball. It is Wes Goldberg and David Ramil. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Good Glad to be here. And that was Wes, and now David has the deeper voice. That's right. <laughs> those are those are those are notes for myself. This is fun. Uh, apparently, I'm also hosting Locked On Heat right now, or something to that to that effect. So, I honestly no, I love it because I'm I'm used to kind of hosting and doing the whole introduction and being really like, as awkward as possible. So it's really glad to have somebody else do it for a change. And I always sit back and just happen to enjoy everything. But you're actually a guest on Locked On Heat, just as we're a guest on Fast Break Breakfast. All right. Well, first of all, as a thing for Fast Break Breakfast. David and Wes, did you guys have breakfast? David, go first. I, I always have breakfast. I love breakfast. It's one of my three favorite meals of the day, and uh, I did have it today. What'd you have? Oh, uh, specifically, what did I have today? I had some yogurt, a banana, and some cereal that I smushed up together into a really disgusting-looking combination that was quite tasty. Some might call that a parfait if you put that all together. Oh, I, I would never use a term like that. But sure, parfait sounds fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Wes, did you uh, did you have breakfast? What did you have? I always have breakfast. I do a, a quick and quick and dirty breakfast. Uh, vanilla protein shake with coconut oil and uh, mixed with 
water. Way, way to go, San Francisco. Way to sell out. Well, I was about to say that's the that's the Miami lifestyle I'm looking for. That's the kind of no, no. That's the, <laughs> no. that's all West Coast. There, he's he's totally yeah. sold out. I'm not sure what coconut oil does, but it's supposed to be really good for you. So it might be a placebo effect, but I enjoy it either way. Doesn't it hi- well, I guess coconut water is supposed to hydrate you. Is is there a similar effect with coconut oil? I don't know, and I hate coconut. I hate the flavor of coconut, but I just I do it anyway because it's supposed to be good for you, and it's and I don't I don't really understand why I do it, but every morning, same breakfast. Your your, your Silicon Valley overlords told you to. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm brainwashed. Wes, are you, are, you, are you in Silicon Valley? Are you West Coast? I am. I, I'm based right out of Oakland. Yep. All right. Fair enough. And and David, are you are you back? Are you in Florida? Are you are you down in the? I am South actually Florida? in Florida. I I'm in Central Florida. I, occasionally, I travel down to South Florida to go see the heat, but I am mostly in Central Florida. Which part of Central Florida? Gainesville, near the University of Florida. Oh, I went to Florida State. So. Uh, oh. Very, I lived in Tallahassee for two years. Yeah, I'm very familiar with the state of Florida, the <clears throat> the ins and outs, the horrors and nightmares that is that wonderful state. Yes. Did you like <laughs> Tallahassee? No, uh-uh. uh, uh. Good. All right. I mean, I know, I know <laughs> this is, I know this is going out to locked on heat listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm not into that state. The I, th- I think I've been to. Every, I've actually never spent any time in Miami. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, I've been in the airport a few times. But I think I've been in every. That's other you did Florida all the wrong ways. Then I did. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> I've been in every other major city in Florida, like and even most of the small ones. Yeah. Like I traveled a ton in college. Uh, My, Miami is is a different world, though. I mean, it really is. It's 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 several worlds mixed together. Uh, you know, it's unlike any other part of the state. So I mean, what what happens in Tallahassee, Gainesville, Orlando is completely different than Miami, and that's from. Sometimes from one street to the next, you can cross the street. All of a sudden, you're in a completely different scenario. So it's it's a very unusual and unique place. I did play a lot of Grand Theft Auto Vice City, so I feel like I kind of have a grasp on the lay, the lay of the land. Yeah, you're no, you, a native. You, I, that's exactly the same thing. You don't even have to ever go to Miami. You're good. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the Miami Heat, uh, turning it towards the basketball, I guess, how good are the Miami Heat? David, you want to handle that? Yeah, I, I'd say they're... Playing very, very well, exceeding expectations, and I think that their ceiling is somewhat limited, to be quite honest with you, but they're playing at a very high level, um, particularly after they, they suffered a number of injuries earlier in the year and through some incredible inconsistency, they found a way to kind of bond together, uh, maximizing what they do do well, which is play incredible level of defense and finding some opportune scoring from guys like Goran Dragic and Deion Waiters. Is this just a regression? I mean, they've been playing so well. They obviously started the season terribly. They were, I think, what is it, 11 and 30? And then mm-hmm. they went on the big winning streak. So do you think some of that was just regressing towards the mean? Or, like, is the whole of their season somewhere in between the two? Or is who they are right now kind of who they are? Yeah, I think before the season, we were all predicting maybe 35 or 40 wins, somewhere in that realm. And after they got to an 11-30 start, we're like, well, Hell with that. I guess that's not happening. And then uh, they, I think regressing to the mean is, is a very appropriate term of what they're doing in one way or the other, because like David said, they had so many injuries. Maybe it's something that we didn't expect. They were dealing with injuries for most of the beginning of the year, and, they, and they've never really truly been healthy. They're still without Justice Winslow. They just got Josh Richardson back. Even after they just beat the Cavaliers, they're without James Johnson and Tyler Johnson, who were two of their biggest contributors. Uh, it's been just one injury after another for the most part. And They've had the second most uh, games lost to injuries this season on anybody in the NBA. So 
that certainly takes a toll. But look, before the year even started, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they're gone. Joe Johnson leaves, Luol Deng leaves. Like the, the the whole roster is turned over. And I know David and I on Locked on Heat, we talked about going into the season, the talent might not be there. But this was a, like, if you look at last year's Heat team, it was a more talented team, but it didn't really fit together the right way. Like Dragic and Wade never really got together together in the right way in the backcourt. It never really made sense. But this team, at least the ports fit better together. Like Dion Waiters and Dragic, they like to get out and run and get to the rim and kick out. And they've got a bunch of more three-point shooters than they did last year. Like the pieces make more sense. Like there's a shape there that makes sense. And I think that's really started to show itself uh, more recently this year. And that's where the Heat are right now. They've found a formula of drive and kick, and they've got guys in roles who are comfortable in those roles, and they pref- and they play those roles the same every night. And I think that's what you're seeing. Eric Spolster's doing a great job, and this team's finally getting into a groove. How many how many games in a row did they win, or or had they won when it started to affect the way you felt about the season? Like I know as an outsider. You know, mm. I, th- I thought the Heat were terrible, you know, 11 and 30. And then, like, they win, like, three, four, five in a row. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. At what point in that winning streak did it begin to adjust the way you viewed the team? Well, they did have some big early wins against both the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors. And then at that point, you kind of start to notice and say, wow, this team is playing together at a really high level. That coincided with Deion Waiter's sudden breakout. Like, he had missed a whole bunch of games due to a, a groin injury. All of a sudden, he comes back. He struggles a little, but then all of a sudden, something clicks again. And then you've got this different version of Waiters where he's he's being incredibly efficient on drives to the rim. He's pulling up from outside and hitting game winners against the Warriors and Brooklyn Nets. And then you kind of start to notice and say, well, this team is playing really well. Um, you know, Hassan Whiteside kind of retreats into a tertiary role, and it works really well. And I, I'd say probably about the – fourth, fifth game of the streak, you start to notice and, and realize, well, this team is playing much better than they had all season and the pieces are starting to fit a lot better. But there's also the context overall the season. Like prior to the win streak, most Heat fans were resigned to what place in the draft we would fill. You know, we were looking at, at top prospects and thinking maybe we'll be uh, somewhere running with Brooklyn for Markel Fultz or something, you know, around that line uh, thinking. And and then that has to change completely. And then you're still thinking, well, maybe we'll get a top five pick. And now, you know, after about a month and a half of these consistent wins, then all of a sudden the draft isn't really the the requirement or, or anymore. It isn't the the most important thing to think about. It's, it's whether or not we can make the playoffs and still wind up getting a, a fairly high draft pick. Yeah. So that, that, Broaches some interesting topics, which I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on as far as the uh, like the purpose of the season and how it fits into a long term like franchise health. But I, I'm curious at how the team. So the, the team's doing really well right now. We're recording this after Deion Waiters uh, hit the awesome 30 foot dagger off the glass to to beat the Cavs to complete a, a weekend sweep sort of uh, of the Cavaliers. I'm curious if if the Eastern Conference playoffs started right now, or just just say like a a, a open playoffs because they're not in playoff position, but I'm curious, where do you think right now the Miami heat rank? Like if you were doing power rankings in the Eastern conference, like which teams do you think are better than, and which teams do you think they might, it might surprise uh, our listeners that you think they are better than. It's a great question. They just beat the Cavaliers. So obviously they're better than them. Right. Um, Oh yeah. Seven game series. (laughs) You have to have to have to favor the heat. So (laughs) 
They're not better than Cleveland. Um, they're not better than Boston. They're not better than Washington. Like right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, like if the game started this that weekend, might be it. those are the three teams that I would say are absolute favorites over the heat. If, if a seven game series started this week going into this weekend, I don't think that they would beat those three teams. I think that they could beat the Hawks in a seven game series. I think that they could beat Chicago, Indiana, Detroit. You missed um, Toronto though. Uh, oh, I mean, Toronto's guess... better than Toronto's okay. better than you're right. Well, that, that... I, I forget about Canada often. I mean, Toronto is not playing well, e- even if they had, you know, uh, even if they had the, the the additions of PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka, but if you know if, if this tournament, if this fictional tournament started on Saturday, uh, Kyle Lowry wouldn't be playing. So mm-hmm. you know, the Heat might have a shot. Just saying, it's it, like it, a it, hypothetical, it, hypothetical. Yeah, now I'm all oh, confused. Oh, definitely. But no, I, I think that's curious. So, so I, I think Pacers fans and Bulls fans, you know, for me as an outsider, I think like all those are kind of jumbled up. The Heat are a team, and and I guess honestly, I haven't watched them as much obviously as you guys but even like is as other teams in the league that they, they they still haven't crept into like my top eight most watched teams this season despite the fact that i adore james johnson and tyler johnson johnson and johnson are two probably two of my favorite nba players right now but mm. for, from what i observe of the team it does seem like this is the team that has taken itself from you know again fighting for a lottery spot to being in the conversation of being like one of the top five teams in the east which i think is is remarkable um like who gets the credit? Is this all we lay at the feet of Spolstra, or is it some kind of this is, a, a, you know, a winning culture type franchise? Is it Goran Dragic taken over? So it's like like who who gets the most credit? Do you guys think for uh, how well the Heat have been performing? I, I can't say that anybody deserves the most credit. If I had to ascribe it. I would probably lay most of it at Spolstra, simply because I think. At no point in time, at least what was visible to us and media, I mean, media members that we've talked to, you know, beat reporters who cover the team on a daily basis, they saw even at the depths of 11 and 30, they never saw anybody despairing. I mean, you, you can see the Derek Williams situation, a guy who struggled throughout the first four years of his career, looking for some consistency in Miami. He comes to the heat. He doesn't even start. He, he struggles to even find playing time. Um, never complains, never voices anything publicly, uh, no fighting in the locker room, no fighting on the floor, um, and everything just seems completely under control. And and I think Spolstra had a big part of that. And sure, you can look back even further in a macro view. It's just the, the team culture that's been in effect ever since Pat Riley joined the franchise in 95. But, you know, it has to trickle down. There, there are going to be moments that you think as professional athletes, as, as adult men, they're going to struggle with feelings and emotions and, and, and be uncomfortable because they're all of a sudden they're losing and going through this number of injuries and struggling. And, and they, they never did it. You know, it was very, very, very impressive to see him keeping everybody afloat and, and focused on just the next game. And, and maybe there was a larger view for some of these guys that are in short term contracts that despite the fact that they were losing, they could still put up decent numbers and maybe show other teams that they still had a place somewhere in the league. But w- whatever that motivation was, um, you know, Spolstra got them to buy into it. But you can't take away what the individual performances of guys like Dragic and, and to a lesser extent, Waiters, and, of course, James Johnson. And Yahoo, uh, you know, you mentioned how much you like him probably from his days over with the Grizzlies. But uh, he was a real eye-opener for us. I mean, Wes and I have talked about it a number of times. We never expected – the point center experiment to work as well as it did. Uh, you know, he seems to have embraced 
every challenge that Spolstra has laid in front of him. Uh, and he's talked about this franchise giving him an opportunity that he never experienced elsewhere. So I don't know how much that's the case or not, but he's he's in great shape. He's he seems to really be enjoying his role with his team, and it's it's you know made for some really fun basketball. So if you haven't been watching them, and, and this goes out to just, you know you and all your listeners, you're you're missing out. And I say that not as a Heat fan or somebody who covers the team, but just their style of play is really enjoyable, especially with Dragic pushing the pace. Waiters taking some incredible shots and just the the three point shooting that's been missing over the last couple of years is finally there. Yeah, I do always try to catch some of those second quarters uh, when James Johnson is in because again, he, like as you said, I'm a Grizzlies fan. When he got called up for the Grizzlies four years ago, I thought he was the missing ingredient for like the grit grind era. Finding like a three or a four, a dynamic extra, like the fifth guy to the big four the Grizzlies have always had, and right. and. He was notoriously like the fans loved him. Every advanced metric, every lineup combination he was in was the Grizzlies' best. And then the coaches apparently did not like him. They didn't like something about him. And then it became like a big thing where Dave Yeager hated the fact that like fans would yell for him to get in the game. And so it became a weird thing. Anyway, then he went went to Toronto, and like I was following him there, thinking like, oh, finally this guy will get a chance to play. I feel like he could really you know blossom if given playing time. And in Toronto, it was still. They ran their team all around just getting the guard shots. And I don't know, again, it seemed like maybe he didn't fit in with the team. So in one of our preseason episodes of Fast Break Breakfast, one of the things I wished for this season was I just I don't care how good the team is. I just want to see what happens if James Johnson gets 25 minutes every night. And so like that has been one of the joys of this Miami Heat season is like, I don't know what the guy's like off the court or if he's gotten better this year or he fits in a little better in Miami. But this year in Miami, I finally gotten to see like, hey, if this guy plays 25 minutes a game, like he he's LeBron's size. He's a big, thick guy who can guard fours and he can also guard guards, but he has a handle like like he could beat guys off the dribble. And that was one of the fun parts about it. So I have thoroughly enjoyed. And again, I guess kudos to the the Heat organization for finally giving him the green light, you know, or, or if it's Spolster or that coaching staff to be like, because I think. You know, if you don't watch the Heat, one of the fun things is like he's a creator. He like he, they give him the ball, like he's trying to break his guy down. You know, and so it, that that part's a lot of fun. Just also because he's a, it's one of those unique where he's just a big dude doing things you don't think he should be able to be doing. Absolutely. Well, he's he's said multiple times that his favorite thing to do is play make for his teammates, and and he mentioned how in Toronto he wasn't able to do that. Really, he was relegated to just doing some dirty work and then maybe shooting some long twos or threes out of the corner and uh, I think he appreciates how the he like ever, there's like with Dwayne Wade and Bosch and all these guys gone there's really not one true star you know you can argue that maybe Whiteside and Dragic are but they still do a lot of the dirty work like everybody on the team they're willing to like those little things in between nobody's saying like you go rebound and I'll go take some 18 footers uh there's really nobody on the roster that's doing that even waiters is somebody that's willing to for a loose ball and, and and get in the mix to get to the rim or get a rebound and stuff like that. I think he appreciates that mentality. And I want to give a lot of credit to Eric Spolstra because I, I probably give most of the credit to Eric Spolstra just because outside of James Johnson, I don't know that any one player is really doing anything that we didn't expect them to do. Yeah, Deion Waiters is hitting a bunch of big shots, but like, wasn't it just a matter of time? Like, the guy's like 25 years old. He's always been able to score you know, he's really just getting an opportunity now. Like this might be like a, a, a lot of stat or good stats on a bad team situation or, or an average team situation for waiters. But like Dragic, he's doing things like we knew he could do if he was on the right team that was playing at the right pace. Like Tyler Johnson really hasn't improved that much. Like Whiteside, same with him. Like their guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
Spolster's put them in the situation to allow them to do that. Uh, of course, with the exception of James Johnson, who Spolster saw something and was like, you're our new Draymond Green. Go do that stuff. And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, I think with James Johnson also, I, I like him as a, he's kind of like my six man of the year, I think, candidate. Just because yes. I, I don't like the six men of the year who are like actually good type starter players, you know, like like who just go to the bench, like the Eric Gordon we're like, that guy was an all-star before, you know, and like Zebo, like he's an all-star, like he's now playing on the bench or like even Lou Williams who played on the Lakers the whole season gets traded and immediately becomes the sixth man of the year, which I don't understand how that process works. <laughs> he hasn't played any games, you know, he's only played like a week on the Rockets. But so I do like it because like James Johnson is that guy where, you know, he's not really good enough. He could start, but like, he's not like super good, but him off the bench definitely has been a big spark to you know how well the heat turnaround has gone do you think he has more of a claim to six man or most improved uh i mean unfortunately most improved just is going to go to Giannis antetokounmpo so it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter um yeah i mean but, but he's also one of those guys where you, you could make your arguments for most improved is a lot of times most improved is the guy who was getting 12 minutes a game who suddenly gets 25 minutes a game, which for me is that where James Johnson falls. But uh, I do like, I like the six man to go to a guy who w- hasn't been a former all-star. I feel like you made the all-star game. You should be exempt from winning six man of the year. Um, so speaking of waiters and Johnson, they are both free agents. They both signed one year deals to join the heat this year. So I'm curious, and this is one of those things we talked about the heat transitioning from winning for, or from losing a bunch of games and thinking about the lottery to suddenly chasing the playoffs. So how does this season and the enjoyment of winning games this year in the short term, how does that affect this team building in the long term? Like, are, are they going to be able to keep Deion Waiters and James Johnson? Are they going to want to? Um, and, and so what is this team going to look like going forward? And so that's a big open-ended question. So t- tell me about the Miami Heat future based on what's happening right now. Yeah, that, that's challenging to see. I, I think we can get a pretty good idea um, you know, based on, on some of the performances we have this season. And, and just to clarify, you're, you're partially right. Deion Waiters actually signed a two-year deal, but he does have a player option for next year. Right. And based on his performance this season, I would imagine he'd opt out and try to cash in for a longer-term deal. So uh, we assume that he'll probably opt out. And if that's the case, um, you know, we both talked about the possibility of Miami re-signing both James Johnson and Deion Waiters. I th- think that's where you know Pat Riley would and, and be you know and be inclined to, to look um, because you know Waiters has played at such a high level. Um, the, the issue is in Tyler Johnson, who we mentioned before, he's got a contract you know that's backloaded in the last two years of a four-year deal that he just signed, uh, and that number kicks up following the next season. So you look to see if maybe he might be tradable next season when his his salary is still a reasonable level i think he's still getting paid nine million next year and then it blooms into uh you know 20 million the following season so um you could look to to that deal being moved somewhere despite the, the high level he's playing at but you know you have chris bosch's salary coming off the books at some point soon um and so you all of a sudden have more salary cap space miami and pat riley specifically have always looked to build a roster around a quote-unquote superstar, and then add, you know, other pieces to, to maximize that one player's potential. You know, you saw it with Dwayne Wade. Um, you saw it with, uh, you know, uh, Alonzo Mourning when he first acquired him in 95. And at this point, this roster doesn't really have that superstar. So you wonder whether or not he's going to try to acquire one in free agency. Uh, they do still have that first 
first pick, even though the value of that pick is is dropping on a daily level. Uh, so it's it's tough to exactly see how Miami builds future, but he's. You know, Riley and the the front office believe in the the karma of winning. They've mentioned they've used that phrase before, uh, as odd as it might seem. You know, they want to see if this team has the character to find winning ways, and and you know they'll buy into that. And I think they assume that a lot of these players will will try to resign with this team because they found a good groove here, a team that maximizes their ability. And you know, while they're they might be more prone to chase more money elsewhere, I think they found a comfort level in Miami that you know, like we talked about with James Johnson, that he didn't find on a couple of other teams that Dion didn't find in Cleveland or Oklahoma City. He, he's found a place that salvages careers and makes the most out of a player's ability and finds a good fit for them. And you know, I, I think I think players would want to stay in a location where they feel comfortable. And and if they can get a little bit more money than they would if they had, you know, stayed here or, or you know, maybe, I don't know. I think they'd still feel more comfortable in Miami, to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe they take off a couple million dollars for a hometown discount or something. I don't know. If we want to get technical, like the, when the Heat get Bosch's uh, cap space cleared off their books, they should have enough money between that $20 million that they're going to get next back next year and the taxpayer uh, or the non-taxpayer mid-level exception between those three tools, those two tools, they should be able to re-sign James Johnson and Deion Waiters. And we haven't even mentioned Willie Reed, who's had an uh, outstanding season off the bench for them. They might even be able to re-sign him using all of those tools. But uh, And then you got to imagine, look, Justice Winslow only played 18 games this year. He comes back next season, uh, presumably fully healthy. That's kind of adding a player. You add somebody with the 14th, 15th, 16th, something odd middle of the first round pick, that's an upgrade somewhere on the roster. We call, so that, a, this team, we call that a Wade Baldwin pick. So uh, look forward to a Wade, <laughs> a Wade Baldwin on our team next year. Or Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? He was <laughs> yeah. the 15th. We can get him. Yeah. Um, so so one of those, like that would be an upgrade of the roster. But like David said, like, you know, maybe that's a roster that Riley's looking to kind of roll out and move forward with. Or by re-signing Waiters and James all these to longer-term deals, that means that he's – you know, keeping assets for a team that really doesn't have a lot of draft picks or anything like, or, or, you know, anything like that. So maybe he's looking to improve on what he's got, or he's looking to flip those guys, maybe for a Jimmy Butler or Paul George or something like that down the road, however unlikely that that may be. Right. I assume you guys have some fantastical free agent that you have your eyes on, or at least the, the, the heat people talking about, because I mean, there's, there's a lot of big ones coming up, you know, next, uh, Next summer, but I, I do like that the the karma of winning thing. I think one of the sad parts about the NBA system, like the lottery system, rewarding losing, is like uh, one of our co-hosts, Chuck. So for you, for you locked on Heat listeners, this is the like auxiliary episode to our normal full episode. And our co-host Chuck, who's from Miami, like he was very conflicted at the start of the winning streak because he like he felt bad once they were like ten games into the winning streak that he hadn't fully enjoyed it because for the first like six games he's like. This is hurting our draft pick, you know. So yes. uh, it, it's a tough. Way, it's a tough way to be, but I do, I do like the karma of winning and building towards um, something. Uh, so, so final last thing, uh, and I do like the fact that we haven't mentioned Hassan Whiteside at all. That makes that gives me glee for some reason. Um, me too. But, but uh, <laughs> you, you guys talk a lot about the Bosch salary coming off the books because of his unfortunate medical medical condition. Although I, I have a theory that uh, LeBron James is going to exact some revenge on Pat Riley. So, I mean, and you could, you could tell me what you want. It seems like Pat Riley has burned some bridges. I mean, obviously with LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, 
and and now Chris Bosh. But I assume, much like the Memphis Grizzlies one year signed Darius Miles and stuck Portland with a surprise like $15 million addition to their salary cap because Darius Miles had given this medical exemption, his salary went off the books, but then the Grizzlies signed him to a 10-day contract a year later. And so the Heat, I mean, the, the Plazers retroactively got stuck with, with his salary from the, the previous contract. I'm thinking no matter what Chris Bosch's health might be, might be that LeBron James will convince the Cavs to sign Chris Bosch to a 10-day contract explicitly to stick Mickey Arison with a gigantic salary tax uh, bill. That's just a theory. I don't know. I don't know what the Darius Miles rule was back then, but now the rule is that the player has to play in 25 games in order for that to take effect. So I think Bosch would have to sign a, a couple of, uh, uh, for the balance of the season and then play in 25 actual basketball games in order for that to happen. But I really like the conspiracy theory idea that maybe they just like faked all these x-rays and stuff because Chris Bosch saw the writing on the wall that Miami wasn't winning a title anytime soon and he wanted to eventually just join the Cavaliers and in order to facilitate that whole buyout and situation that they faked a bunch of x-rays and, and blood clots and all this stuff and then um, he's going to just sign with Cleveland and be their starting center alongside Kevin Love. That is in, totally possible. I like that one too. <laughs> I also I also can imagine a spitefulness because I, I don't know if that yeah that twenty five game rule didn't used to exist if if that's if that's the rule now I, I can imagine the spitefulness of LeBron just rolling Chris Bosh out for the first uh, first thirty seconds of every game just to stand in the corner and then uh, and then that's true and then yeah. he's like yo Mickey Harrison you and Mike Miller you know how, how about them apples still, he's still bitter about that that really had an effect well on the I team. mean if if Mickey Harrison had, had had opened up the purse strings of his cruise ship money a yep. little more LeBron James might have never left because you guys might have been on like what like Five straight titles now. Six straight? I blame I blame myself because I used to sneak booze onto Carnival Cruise Lines all the time. So if I would have just paid for the liquor, I think McGearson would have had enough money to just pay Mike Miller. So we could blame me. Here's the that's, thing. That's probably it, yeah. Here's here's me lashing out at Mickey Harrison. I've been on one Carnival cruise ship. I will never go back. Oh my God. It, it's it's just it's just a floating it's a floating death trap. It's all these people. It's like you go to uh it's like you go to one of the cheapest casinos in, in Tunica or or like Evansville, Indiana, and it's like that thing broke off, and it's all the people that were at that car at that casino are now out on the ocean, and they tell you like, hey, whatever you do, don't start a fire because that's the biggest danger on the boat, which is why we've designated eighty different smoking spots across this ship. Like, why don't you just ban smoking <laughs> if fire is the only enemy to the boat? Anyway, you guys don't go on cruises. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. All right. Well, hey, so, so I think that'll wrap us up. Uh, David and Wes, thank, thanks for your time. Uh, to, pl- plug your stuff for our listeners so uh, they can know where to find you. Well, they can always follow me at uh, DRamil13. I write occasionally for The Step Back and also for FanRag NBA. Uh, that's basically where I, I do most of my writing nowadays, but they can always find it on Twitter or at Lockdown Heat with my co-host Wes Goldberg. I just want to, yeah, just listen to Lockdown, just listen to a podcast, listen to either Fast Break Breakfast if you're listening to this via the Lockdown Heat feed or if you're listening to this on the Fast Break Breakfast feed. Check out Lockdown Heat or the whole Lockdown Podcast Network if you're interested in just team-specific podcasts, try podcasts. Uh, that's what I want to say. And Keith, what did you have for breakfast? Because I'm not sure anybody ever asks you that. Uh, most of the interview guests in the interview episodes never ask me what I ate for breakfast. Uh, this morning I had chocolate chip muffins, like a, out of just like a, a mix. 
I ate wow. them with with my wife and, and my, my little two year old. We were we were, we were having having some breakfast at home. So yeah, chocolate chip muffins. I have a sweet tooth. That won't be a surprise to our listeners. That's awesome. I love muffins. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the uh, the double up episode. It was fun. You guys have a good one. Take it easy, kid. All right. Thanks to Wes and David for coming on. Again, the Heat are kind of a very exciting wild team. Can't get over how they're winning, how they can just plug in guys. I do feel bad we did not mention Rodney Magruder or much Josh Richardson love. Those guys are pretty fun. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. Remember to write those iTunes reviews. If you want to be one of our biggest supporters, go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast we love you guys who are supporting us financially that way but we would love to have more people as always to join the slack chat and the pick'em group among other things all right you guys you can follow us on twitter at fast break break like us on facebook thanks for listening you guys are the best and remember breakfast is the most important thing <laughs>